Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mount Visual Podcast. I am Blaine. I'm Anthony, and we're still alive, and Mount Visual still exists. Those were probably your first two questions, and we know you have more questions like, where have we been? Where is this going? Where's that piece on transhumanism that you talked about forever? And we're not going to answer any of those questions. The only thing I'm going to tell you is that we are recording a voice note on an iPhone because all of our equipment is not in the same place right now. And I blame myself. We're, we're in the process of moving offices. And uh, I took all the recording equipment somewhere else and forgot to bring it back for this occasion. Anyway, it's two days before Christmas and there's no way to go get it and do this right. So if it's echoey, it's not because our sound guy is bad. He's very good. It's because we're in a basically empty room recording on a cell phone. Today, we are talking about a message that Anthony sent to our church that had to do with an end of year examine and a practice that is actually... So, so helpful. It has the potential to be life-changing, to help you grasp the shape and the direction that God has written into your story. It's so good that we signed on to tell you about it. But I'm just going to start with a question, Ant-Man. What is this practice and why did you send it? And what's your history with Examine? Actually, three questions. <laughs> this practice is a, a prayer of contemplation, sort of a prayer and practice of contemplation that throughout the centuries has facilitated transformation for Christians who are trying to follow Jesus. And it's deceptively simple, and yet uh, most of the great spiritual practices are profoundly simple in their form, and yet offer an endless, endless depth in one's pursuit of like mystical encounter with the Holy God. So... The examine was created by someone who's today known as St. Ignatius of Loyola. But who I like to remind you is named Inigo, 1490s Spanish soldier, who I learned about from Carrie Wallace's beautifully illustrated Stories of the Saints, which if you're looking into a gateway drug to learning about the Christian saints, you may consider that one. It's very good. Though, despite the fact that book is illustrated and quite beautiful, you might find your kids aren't ready for it because the saints often met violent ends. And so, anyway, <laughs> I don't, get the book, but, but maybe look through it first and discern about your children's ability to understand that the way of Jesus often involves dying to self, often literally, in the hope of becoming like God. Very much so. Little note on that, it's Christmas time, though it'll be the new year when we release this episode. And so my daughter and I were singing Good King Wenceslas, and then... Good, good King Wenceslas. Good King Wenceslas. And she asked about Good King Wenceslas, because I was jokingly singing additional stanzas <laughs> to Emily, being like, then his brother murdered him. He wanted the Wait, kingdom. Is he a real person? Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know that. I don't know anything about him. Uh, well, and so Emily opened it up and said, let's look at St. Wenceslas. And I oh, said, you are going to want to look at St. Wenceslas on your own time. Yeah. There's this beautiful illustration of an old king with one hand on the throne and the door open and just the shadows of murderers falling on the floor. Gosh. Lovely image. Amazing story. Again, not really child appropriate, though the song is very good. And somewhat appropriate that the song takes place on the Feast of St. Stephen, wow. who was also killed. Okay, so <laughs> I wasn't planning on talking about this today, but as a little bonus for listeners, my summary of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through 8, verse 1, is that... Jesus redefines human flourishing as suffering while awaiting the eschaton. And so the Christian suffering unto union with Christ and transformation is actually the age to come breaking through in the here and now. So while the saints met often violent ends, it's actually heaven breaking through into the now. And it won't always be that way. Yes. Since we're giving footnotes, let me give one more on this that we were also talking about, which is before we 
turned on the cell phone. We were talking about John Paul II's Theology of the Body, in which he redefines, or he defines, actually, he exegetes human freedom is that real freedom is to make the complete gift of self. Uh, Ultimately, in like the spousal union of the garden, Jesus' marriage with the church, what we see modeled in the life of the saints is that the absolute form of freedom is the complete gift of self modeled on Jesus' offer of himself to us that is the way into resurrection and life as it was meant to be lived. Mm. So it's so beautiful. You get several footnotes. In the ecstasy of love is pouring oneself out and that creates room to be filled with reciprocally love. Can we title this episode, the ecstasy of love? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into the examine, uh, I, I forget what your three questions were, but this sort of answers it. I wanted to say a bit about Ignatius in you go, because it actually teaches us a bit about how we might benefit from doing the examining in our own lives. The short version is he was a Spanish soldier. He was injured pretty badly in his leg. Uh, Supposedly a cannonball was shot between his legs. (laughs) Jeez. And medieval medicine was not so great. He went through multiple surgeries, ended up with a short leg. He would limp for the rest of his life. But during his convalescence, he asked his nurse, who I believe was a nun, for stories of the knights, stories of chivalry. Being chivalrous was what drove his life and gave him meaning. Instead, she gave him a book of spiritual formation, a book aimed at spiritual formation, and the stories of the lives of the saints. Full circle with the book that you were recommending your wife peruse before getting to your daughter. Anyway, so. In like manner, he was given a book of the lives of the saints. And through his, I don't know how long it was, many days, weeks probably, in bed, he was given this beautiful gift, which was time to contemplate. And he found that the stories of the, of the heroes, of the knights, and all their um, adventures was no longer giving him joy and the sense of of purpose and desire, but was actually leaving him with desolation. And that instead, the lives of the saints were what brought him peace. And that was his initiation into the way. And then later he would go to a monastery, I think it was, at a place called Montserrat, which is one of my favorite fonts now. And uh, he uh, he would there hang up his sword at the statue of the Virgin. So this picture of a man who his whole identity was around being a soldier and without nerding out on like what it meant to be part of the system of chivalry, it was this false identity. And through a period of convalescence and through contemplation, he was transformed internally. And the thing that previously was the goal left him empty and the new goal became following in the way of poverty and of devotion to Christ and being like the saints. And that that picture of transformation is actually what the invitation is when one undertakes the examine. And the examine is typically a daily practice. And so this is something that you can use at the end of every day. It's, it's designed to be done at the end of the day. I typically do it in the mornings, looking over the previous day. And so it's a deceptively simple process, as I mentioned, and it's five steps. And if you dig around, you'll find different versions of it, but they're all fairly similar. And here's the version that we are going to encourage you to practice. And I'll I'll just summarize the five steps and then we can go back and break them down. They are step one, center yourself. Step two, ask for light. Step three, review the day. Or in this case, as we will encourage you, review the year. Step four, reflect on moments throughout that day, throughout that year. And step five, look forward to the day or the year to come. It's going to be good to break those down, man. I'm going to give one more introductory quote before we begin. And it is from Ruth Haley Barton's book on the spiritual practices called Sacred Rhythms, which if you've heard me talk at all in the last year, I have told you to read that book. (laughs) It's very good. She is one of the mothers in the faith that you didn't know you needed. And she writes this. Here's her definition 
of self-examination or the examine. Self-examination is a practice that facilitates spiritual awakening, an awakening to the presence of God as God really is, and an awakening to ourselves as we really are. When practiced rightly, it leads us into a greater sense of God's constant loving presence in our life. It fosters a celebration of our created self. It offers us a safe place to see and name those places where we are not like Christ. It opens us up to deeper levels of spiritual transformation. Self-examination is the Christian practice that opens us up to the love we need. That's so good. Another quote while we're doing some, some groundwork here, Balthazar, who is a fairly notable Catholic theologian, philosopher, more like, he was massively influenced by Ignatius and his spiritual exercises, one of which is the examine. And he said that the exercises have as their purpose the conquest of self and the regulation of one's life in such a way that no decision is made under the influence of any inordinate attachment. The explicit aim of the spiritual exercises, such that like Ignatius described it, was discernment. And this is a loaded term within Ignatian spirituality, but it's the process of of understanding the difference between good and evil, of understanding one's own life, understanding the previous day, understanding the previous year. And it can be described as discernment as a movement toward mystical union with God. So this isn't just some productivity aimed, let's review the year and see how we can make the next year better. This was really aimed at intimate, immediate encounter with God and inviting God to tell us about our own lives, to, to, to tell us about the day. And it's a way of communing with God. Yes, we are all on a journey. The journey is towards a destination. And the examine is part of a body of activity that sits inside discipleship to Jesus, spiritual formation. And it's about intentionally structuring your time and practices to live in the direction of the good life, to become like Christ, rather than bobbing in the unintentional spiritual formation of the world and becoming more like Steve Jobs over time, or actually not even human at this point, having your personhood systematically dismantled. So you'll notice as we jump in here that It's very intentional and it does take some work, but the work, as we'll see right away, is motivated by our fundamental desire, the real engine in us to be more awake to God's love, to experience it more deeply. So let's go in, maybe. Are we ready for step one? Okay, so you're not going to be able to do either the daily or yearly examine while listening to this podcast. This isn't like a breath contemplation that you can do simply while listening. So we're going to start by walking you through a day's examine. That way you have that form. And I would encourage you, if you feel led, to undertake this practice for the coming year or maybe commit for a week or whatever the season is that you think you can follow through on and start practicing this. So a day's examine. Find a place where you can experience some pause, some quiet, and actually go into the interior. And step one, center yourself. Close your eyes, take some deep breaths, some deep diaphragmatic breaths, and sort of come back into your body and place yourself in God's presence. In your imagination, approach God. And more importantly, receive his invitation. If you are doing the examine, you are actually being pursued by God and he's inviting you into a place of contemplation. Yeah, here we get, again, we come right away to the reality that love is the motivator. Mm. I'm going to give you another quote from Ruth Hitley Barton, who names this step one as preparation. And she says, we long to be celebrated for that which is deeply good and worthwhile in us. And we long for a love that is strong enough to contain our frailty and sinfulness. Something in us knows that such love is a transforming power. So it's too easy to review your day running under the same stressors and internal narratives that you lived your day with 
which is not helpful. You want the God who is the only one who knows the real story of your life to tell you that story, even if it's the story of your day. So that slow down and becoming aware of the presence of God, becoming awake to his love is step one. And man, if you are completely buried under voices of guilt and shame, you may want to pray for a while first before diving into the rest of examine or jump to the last step of, you know, seeking out people to unpack your story with just because those voices of frustration are not your friend. Your goal here is to open your life up to the light of the presence of God. Thus, step one, stop, become aware of the presence of God. It's so good. And my encouragement for you is learning how to pause and center and place yourself in God's presence and to receive his invitation and just become aware that he is there. It's a skill. It's a, a practice that you'll be able to grow in such that at any point throughout the day, this is something you can come to. Even apart from this form of the examine, learning to realize that you're not doing well or that you're just falling through the day, falling through life, learning to breathe, lower your cortisol levels and, and just look like in the interior, in your spirit, look to God. It's something that, that can change your entire life. Oh, man. And it is a skill. You're pinging so many things for me. One is that depending on how you are wired, you might find the different practices of the church that serve the function of stopping to be helpful. And so, for example, incense is really helpful. Mm. If you, if this is essential for me. Yeah. If you're going to do this, if this is a daily practice, part of your stopping and cueing to your body that it's time to open yourself up to God's presence is to light incense. Another, I mean, lighting a candle is a good one. All of these physical things. Breathing is non-negotiable. I, right now, I've been rolling around in Psalm 116. And so, and it's time for me to settle down into the presence of God. That's what I start with. I just rehearse a psalm. But if you are like a musical person, it would be great to play a worship song you love, do what it takes in your body and soul are the same thing, (laughs) to slow down and actually transition from your stressed out life into the peace of God. So good. The uh, physical cues, the embodied cues that help me, instead of incense, every morning as part of my morning prayer, I've got uh, some sticks of Palo Santo, which is this beautiful, beautiful wood (laughs) that even just before you burn it, just smelling it, it smells kind of like vanilla and orange. And you can take a lighter, light the end of the stick until it goes into flame, blow it out. And then the smoke that comes out is basically the smoke of incense. And uh, I'll start with that in the morning. And then because I can't just dive straight into contemplation, you know, I wake, I wake up with stress sprain or whatever. I do go through a breathing practice. And after all that, I will read some pre-written prayers. Or simply go through the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I will often read through uh, Phyllis Tickle's The Divine Hours for that morning. And after all that, I'm in my body and I'm present to God and everything else is not possible. Step two is, as we are prescribing it, ask for light. And so... During this step, you, you pray for the grace to understand how God is acting in your life. You ask for the ability to hear clearly. You ask for covering from warfare. This is it's a more active step beyond this first step, which is centering and simply becoming present. You are asking for what you need for this practice of examine. You're inviting God to speak. This is a lifesaver. The theological backbone here is that the way God sees things is things as they really are. And you have the reflections of the Psalms in your light. I see light. So this prayer, oh my goodness, I have found it to be so invaluable 
And I'll pray something like this. Holy Spirit, I open my life up to your light. I pray that you would uncover my life, that you would expose every scheme of the evil one to steal, that you would expose my sin, that you would tell me my story, that my attention would be directed to the same thing that you are paying attention to. And it is amazing because that prayer is effective. Prayer works. Prayer is part of the way that we relax into the goodness of God, that we deliberately align our will with the will of God. Because your goal here, again, is to see your life as it really is. And to do that, you have to see it in the light of God. Mm. It's, again, it's just too easy to look back on your day. And if you were going to bed mad, to ping the three events that made you mad. If you're going to bed feeling shame, to remember the three embarrassing things that happened, to resolve to do better tomorrow, and then to fall asleep. Those things are not in themselves the true story of your day. And so you're just pausing to kind of look back. But before you do, you insist that the frame of reference inside of which you're going to evaluate your time is the love of God. Something else this light pierces through is simply the overwhelm of information, of pings from your phone, of distraction. So for me, even thinking of those three you know, stressful moments from the previous day, whatever, that would be a step up from where my brain normally is at, which is, I don't even know what happened yesterday. I'm, I'm so stressed out at times that I can't even really think. I, I, I can't see at all. And so asking God to bring light is moving to a position where you are next to the Father and He is kind of showing you, He's showing you reality. Something that this just reminded me of Years ago, I stumbled upon a book by Watchman Nee called The Spirit of Judgment. And it has permanently changed how I think about God's judgment. And so the prayer that I will often pray at this step of asking for light is, Father, I invite you to shine your light of judgment on my life, on my heart. And God's judgment is good news for those who are hidden in Christ. Because when he exposes our sin, our brokenness, we can actually repent of it and we have hope. We're not just condemned. And he can also shine his light of judgment on the good, on the things that are in order. That's kind of the, the thesis of Nee's book is the spirit of judgment is good news for those who are in Christ. So yes, like Father, like see me and judge me. The psalmist often prays things like this. See if there's anything, any sin in me and so on. It's a terrifying thing to pray, except that we have Christ and it is part of the way to let this stuff be seen. Step three is to review the day. So we let the Holy Spirit guide us as we carefully review the day just completed. And we pay attention to specific moments and feelings that come up in our minds, in our memories, as we review the previous day. This one. Depending on how stressed out you are, which most of us are fairly stressed, how overwhelmed you are, most of us are fairly overwhelmed. As you're getting into this habit, you may, like me, have to have your calendar open in front of you, as you said, to remember what happened. And so you can do it just from memory. You can just kind of begin to think, oh, I got up, rushed out of bed. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast. Oh, I forgot breakfast. Okay. I had a conversation and you can do it that way. I find it helpful just to kind of look back and walk through the day again, seeing what the Holy Spirit calls attention to. And what I love in, you know, this cuts every direction. I love Ruth Haley Barton's note on this step. She says, you may just start by becoming aware of the provision of God and all the small rescues. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't get hit by that person in traffic. Oh man, it's so amazing that I saw that email in time. There's actually a lot of good news in the story of an average day because of a thing called common grace, which is God upholding your universe. And so as you sift back through, one of the things that you may notice is your father's loving presence with you through the day because that's 
an eternal reality. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you may begin to notice, you know, you might notice a theme or a relationship where something feels weird. But in this step, very often is where we begin to notice our unlikeness to Christ, where we do not spontaneously and without reflection do exactly what God would do if he were living our life. As you look back through, you just let the Holy Spirit call that up. It's not actually a witch hunt. Man, I've got to figure out what's making me so stressed. Mm. It's much more about relenting and letting God, as you kind of look back through, call to mind. If you ever do this with someone else, by the way, you'll notice that God does not shout. It's very often a whisper. And if I'm doing this with my wife, she'll go, I don't really notice anything, but I just kind of remembered that conversation I had. And that's how it goes. Mm. I'll look back at my day and it won't most of the time be like, oh man, I so see where I blew it. It'll be like, oh man, just, you know, something between me and like this person or a way that I did this is just kind of pinging for me. And I'm not sure what's there, but I'm going to sit with that for a minute. Mm, That's so good. Yeah. It's, it's often the subtle and the small details of life that pop up that matter so much more to the Holy Spirit than they do to us because we're not aware of what they mean. I recently was doing this and a conversation with someone that referenced an old relationship, just an old friend slash colleague. And I was thinking about it and I realized, man, that happened. And I felt so much pain in my chest and a bit of anxiety. And I had no idea why. It was something that happened and I just kind of ignored it. I wanted it to go away and I moved on with my day. And inviting the spirit into that place, it opened up this part of my story that I hadn't really practiced confession and repentance in. And I just received the healing love of God in that place. It was such a subtle, just like flash of pain that I I literally wasn't conscious of it in the moment. It's incredible. It's not always negative things. It's often just uh, positive things. It's often moments of beauty, like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're, you're bringing up how as I was driving to my first meeting of the day, I saw the full moon in the sky over the mountains and these beautiful pastel colors of the sunrise on the mountains. And it was magnificently beautiful. And Father, you were loving me by by making me aware of, uh, like, you know, as the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And you are inviting me to, to spend more time with you. But at this point, we're simply just letting things surface. We're not actually, we're kind of jumping ahead to the next step, which is reflection. At this point, we're just seeing what the Spirit is shining light on. Yeah. And why you have to do that before naming things is most of us think that we know ourselves. And we think that we know the story of the day. When people are invited to practice examine, they usually think that whatever their perennial issue is, it's just going to be a chance to daily reflect on it. It's actually not. Inside kind of the history of spiritual formation, they talk about four layers of unlikeness to Christ. And it's gross sins, you know, the ones that are in Galatians 5, conscious sins. Oh, yeah, well, you're not sleeping with anyone's mom anymore, but you did just lose it and yell at your spouse. Unconscious sins. Oh, yeah, you actually felt, when you think about it more, like that moment with your spouse was motivated by envy of this other relationship that seems easier than yours. And then the fourth layer of your internal maps for happiness. And letting the day surface, one of the reasons it's so transformational is it's a way of getting past the kind of confession that's like, oh yeah, I know what my thing is. I am really lustful. Oh, I know what my thing is. I'm really greedy. Oh, I know what my thing is. I'm really controlling. And I was controlling today. But by letting the Holy Spirit raise, you could go, yeah, whatever your big thing is, that did happen. But right before that happened, do you know the acute loneliness that you felt? And right before that, do you notice, do you remember that before you felt lonely, 
this other thing got pinged in the text message you got from your mom or did not get from your mom. Like, and God begins to show you the real parts of your story when you pause and don't assume, oh yeah, I know what I did with my day. I went to work and I hate my job. And then I went home and flipped off someone on the highway. And <laughs> when I'm done with this exam and I'm going to look at porn. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned porn because I was going to say that like as a, a very relevant example, probably for most men listening to this podcast, women as well, often uh, pornography, especially if it's a constant struggle and addiction, can be a great example of one of the gross conscious sins that like you assume, oh, this is what we're going to talk about. And then, yeah, God wants to go to some other part of your heart, some other deeper place in your brokenness, some other pattern of sin. So, yeah, the, the, the big sins, the things that seem to be hanging over us can often be distractions, which isn't to say they're not sins, but that the Holy Spirit wants to go after some place in our heart that is even more broken or is even more at the root of our separation from God, our, our division within ourselves. And that can be even more vulnerable. And we feel more naked when that place, when the light of God is shown upon. Right. So if you're this person, you might go into examine thinking God wants to talk to you about your porn addiction, but he wants to talk to you about the fact that you were saying that you hated yourself in your head mm-hmm. on your drive to work. And then under that, the he, two might relate to he wants to go one layer deeper because <laughs> there is a line. Uh, it's good. So having reviewed the day, we move on to step four, reflection. And we've already kind of gotten into this step a bit. So for these moments that the Spirit highlights, these feelings or images that the Spirit highlights, this is where we reflect on what we did, said, thought. And you can ask questions like, Was I drawn closer to God or further from him? Spirit, what are you saying about these moments, about that feeling, about that image? Yeah, it's a good one. This is commonly just named confess. The reason I like reflect is because we think of confession merely in terms of giving voice to sin and repenting. A confession is the wider admission, just naming of the state of things. So a gospel confession isn't the confession of sin. It's giving voice to the story that you are living. And so in this reflect process, you name things for what they are. And if this is something negative, you go, wow, that's the form of confession that we're familiar with. And it's, okay, God... I see my frustration. I confess. I hold out my, like the anger that I live with to you. But if it's the beauty of the mountains, it's man, Jesus. I name, I see the beauty of your creation that today was just full of. Thank you for that. And let the main parts of the day begin to take shape and get names. That's good. And it doesn't have to be one single aspect of this previous day that you reflect on, depending on how much time you have and where the spirit leads, you can take passes at this. These steps kind of flow into each other and are recursive. And so you're taking multiple passes through the substance, the content of your life. The final step is to look forward to the day to come. So what is the spirit prompting you to ask for in the day to come? What do you need? Do you need courage? Do you need to simply be reminded in the moment so that the loop, the pattern is broken and you can actually change? Do you need just energy and healing in your body? What is he calling you to ask for? What is he calling you to do in the coming day? Yeah, that looking forward piece is a huge one. That is the one where we ask forgiveness of God or people if necessary. One of the really amazing parts of looking forward and asking what would please God into the rest of your life is that this habit really can begin to shape your relational sphere Mm. and make you the kind of person who the next time you see that friend say, hey, I just wanted to circle back to something that happened. When we were together, 
I was really rude too at the end. I think it comes out of my frustration, feeling inadequate in work that I'm working through with God. Will you forgive me? And that is so transformative. It brings the kingdom of God to earth. That is an on earth as it is in heaven moment. And then as you're looking forward to what you're needing, you're also asking God to show you the kinds of things that would be key to, in this case, the day ahead, the week ahead. Some people do examine weekly. This is not a brainstorming session per se of, all right, now that I've done the examine, man, tomorrow I've got to get up a little earlier than usual because I have to work out. <laughs> and it's a chance to take the vision of understanding your story and ask God what a loving response to him in the space of your time would look like. That's so good. And this step is where hope comes in because the point of this spiritual exercise is that we want to become more like Jesus. We can actually transform. You can actually be closer to Jesus the next day than you were the day before. So we're not just looking on at the day that has passed and always responding and always wishing we had done better or, or that we had been more present in that moment of beauty that we were invited to, that we dismissed. We are actually being changed. I can look back on the year prior and see how much I've changed. And if you feel hopeless about this, I want to encourage you that real change happens. This isn't just, again, reacting or wishing and uh, regretting, but you can actually become different over time by walking in the way of Jesus. Yes. I cannot say enough how helpful this practice is over time. Never doing the examine is kind of like setting off on a trip into the wilderness without a clear sense of where you're going and without ever dropping a waypoint on a map. Mm. So that when it comes time to unfurl the map and say, where in this territory am I? Well, you can't tell just by looking around. You can't tell by looking forward because you don't know where you're going. And you haven't marked any of the trail to give you orientation to, I'm kind of actually right here. And these daily or weekly examines, if you do them, they are just amazing at maintaining a sense of the story of your time so that if you roll into the end of a month and go, I'm feeling really melancholy. Is this a new feeling? Is this a signal? Is this spiritual warfare? What's going on here? I'm actually just going to look back at my journal, including my examines from the past couple of weeks and look for what happened and how I got here. And it really does begin to show you the themes of your weeks. The map metaphor is so helpful because I don't know how many times, and listener, I'm sure you can identify with this. How many times have you ended up in a place that you don't want to be and you ask yourself, why am I here again? Why do I keep living this way? Why do I keep repeating this pattern? Why am I so unhappy right now or in pain? And using the map metaphor, just imagine that you are journeying through the mountains and you keep running back into the same tree stump. And you thought you were heading somewhere, but you're actually walking in circles. Well, looking forward to the day to come and sort of setting out the next like basically the Holy Spirit is giving you a cairn. A cairn is a stack of rocks that tells you where you are headed, like where the next place, the next waypoint on the trail is. And you can actually, instead of repeating that loop, you can move forward into your adventure with God. It's so good. We are all either spiraling up or spiraling down. <laughs> there are seasonal cycles to our lives. There is also a direction either towards greater despair or towards joy, faith, hope, love, the good things that we want. And so let me just say that the circle around the stump, reactivity, self-hatred, striving, those are all guaranteed ways to walk a circle to where you are right now. To feel frustration, to resolve, to change, and to try hard. Whenever the frustration hits a kind of breaking point, that's the tried and true method of walking in a circle. Opening yourself up to the love of God, letting him bring conviction, 
real confession, repentance, and asking forgiveness and asking God for his way, that's the way to move forward, upward spiral towards the life of God. It's so good. So that's the daily examine. And it is something you could do in as little as five minutes, however much time makes sense for your life. The year's examine, which goes through the same steps, but in regard to the year, will require, I would suggest, a minimum of one hour. If you're like me, you might actually do it over the course of several periods of time. So I'm not doing it in one sitting. And we want to give a few practical tips per step for how to do this in regards to a large period of time. The first thing I'll say is that while this is because of the interior nature of this practice, it's typically done alone. I do highly recommend that you share out of the results of your exam with someone else, that you let someone else in on what God's doing in your life. If you're married, you and your spouse can do this separately and then come together and share out of it and have maybe like a third examine. The first and second being your respective examines, and then together you come and pray through what came up together. That's how my wife and I are doing this. Whether or not you're married, you should invite your pastoral oversight. If you have a spiritual director or a pastor or just friends, people that are trustworthy and have uh, access into your life and can uh, witness what's come up. That's big stuff. The end of your examine is as much a game changer for the large strokes of your life as a daily or weekly examine is for the structure of your time. If you are a productivity or an optimization fan at all or a Tim Ferriss fan, you know the last year's review, the kind of practice of looking back, seeing what you did, looking for an emotional reaction, expressing gratitude, and then in the next year, minimizing the bad things, scheduling the good things. And that's a great strategy if you want to optimize pleasure in a certain frame of reference. It is so anemic. It's so skeletal. It's so weak in comparison to what's available in seeing your life as a story that God is telling, the themes of which you actually know, the journey of which is to become more like Jesus in a life that bears more and more of the fruit of the presence of God. And the, the steps that really change, I agree with your, do it in more than one sitting. You know, I spent several hours on this just yesterday, and I didn't even get done through pooling all the data because the first two steps are the same. You know, you, you sit, you stop, and you open yourself to the presence of God. You pray. You light your Palo Santo if you're Anthony. <laughs> you maybe actually stop by taking a one-hour drive into the mountains where you're going to be alone and do this. Go for a long walk. Yes. You... Pray for the light of God's judgment, the good light of God to apocalypse your life and your time. Mm. Then in the review, this is where things are going to take time. And my strong encouragement here is that the more data you're able to pool, the better. I started doing this and I call it an information watershed, which is, and I do this all the time to solve problems, which is a phrase borrowed from a permaculturist named Rob Avis, whose book I recommend to everyone because it's actually a spiritual formation book. He just doesn't know it. (laughs) But what he points out is that the tree-like pattern of creation, this is my observation now, it's a reality that God has written into creation that information is gathered from, you know, the far off sources of the tiniest root tips touching fungi into the larger branching roots, ultimately into the tap root. And that the pool of resources ultimately is part of what gives birth to the trunk of the tree that then multiplies out. And you can see this pattern in the life of a community where it's like, Oh my gosh, pool gospel and safety and time and conversations and incarnating the kingdom. And you're going to give birth to new families of faith over time. Like it's just a reality in God's universe. And the step that you cannot skip is remembering what happened with your year. And I know I'm going long right now, but I just got to say it's so worth it to 
things I looked back through, to look back through your calendar and just to begin to notice or record somewhere. I actually uh, do this within now that I started doing this information watershed thing. I do it with an Excel spreadsheet with the relevant columns of different categories of of my life and the months. Uh, (laughs) Maybe a little over the top, but I find it illuminating. It's so fascinating. And then I went back you know, so I looked at my life and I said, well, I know kind of the major categories. There was Mount Vigil, there was church life, there was writing, there was farm, there was personal. And so I looked back through our entire signal thread because it's where the Mount Vigil information is and just looked, oh yeah, that happened on that day. I'm just going to throw it in the that day on my spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that happened. And then, oh, I looked back through our church's base camp message thread to go, oh, I forgot about that. Throw that in, you know? And then I did the same thing. The farm stuff was, I was like, where's my farm stuff stored? Uh, It's kind of actually in, if it's not in my calendar, it's in my text threads with other homesteaders. Look back through, oh yeah, that was when the calf was born. Oh, that day was a gnarly day. Oh, that. And then if you have a cell phone, you probably compulsively take photos of things that you'd never look at later, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, but the end of the year is a great time to scroll back through, oh, yeah, that was the first day that we found that new hike. Oh, that was the day that we planted that tree. And pool it. More is better in the review process, though I will warn you if you're me, you will soon begin to feel overwhelmed. And you'll have to stop and go back and do steps one and two again and go, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed by my life. I feel the emotions that I felt this year of feeling disoriented. Really, if you're me, I feel the deep sense of disorientation. I have to stop. God, his love, bind the evil one, ask for light. Because what you want to see is the story of your year as God is telling it and as he is pointing it out to you. So good. Having lives that are formed around digital technologies is mostly a downside, I would say. But one of the upsides you're describing, which is we have uh, lots of different repositories of data that show us about our lives. Email threads, text threads. I keep a digital calendar, so I go back and skim all the events every day. I just kind of look at each month and see what's highlighted. Part of the joy of this is just realizing how good God's been in the year. And something that we have failed to adequately emphasize is that gratefulness, especially in steps one and two, is huge for this practice daily, weekly, monthly, whatever your rhythm is. That as you're simply gathering data, just take time to be grateful. Um, Every breath you have breathed is a gift. You have been loved into being and every moment of existence, even the worst day for you this year, even tragedies and failures and so on, your life is a gift. And this is a time to, to thank God for everything he's been doing throughout the season. That one is huge. Gratitude is both an emotion and an act of the will. And in my experience, you'll experience the emotion spontaneously more often if you flex the muscle regularly. And actually, all of the gratitude experts and all of the neuroscience backs me up, which says, when you look at something good that happened, or you choose to look for the grace of God, and then you express thankfulness, man, thank you. I had totally forgotten about that day we got snowed in and had a beautiful morning as a family. Mm. Oh, man, I totally forgot about that hilarious dance party when we were in Blank's house and someone turned on music. Thank you. Mm. And it will cultivate, it will make you the kind of person over time who experiences more spontaneous gratitude, which is a really wonderful thing. This is so good. And it goes in a direction I wanted to go, which is to make sure I want to encourage you to not simply focus on the hard things, the, the places of brokenness and sin and struggle, but to look for all the encounters with beauty that you had throughout the year. So something that's very important to me, uh, like the times that I took my kids to that Latin American music orchestral concert and how much we simply enjoyed the beauty 
of being together and that particular quality of sound that you only get when you're in a nice concert hall with instruments that aren't amplified, but the, the room just captures the sound of the orchestra. We are transformed by beauty. Beauty should point us towards the divine and facilitate our encounter with God. So take time to see the subtle things in your year that you might otherwise overlook because you're too influenced by productivity books and, and are looking for like optimization opportunities when maybe the invitation of God is to, like maybe there's a dearth of beauty in your life and the invitation of the coming year is to pursue it, pursue God in beauty in the coming year. Yes. One of the things that is so helpful in the end of your exam is again, being able to see your life as a story. And I recommend Dan Allender's book, To Be Told, on learning how to read your life as a story on this and how God partners with humanity to it over the course of a story, build the future, participate in his plan of restoration. And if you're new to this, my pro tip for you is just to do it this way. Going back to your time, month to month, start with settings. Where were you? Where did you spend your time? Setting is, this is story, building block one. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I was, I don't know. I, I was in, I was in Colorado. Were you in your house? Were you in coffee shops? Were you in an office? Where were you? And, and let the reality, where you were most of the time will probably surprise you. Because very few of us actually, we're all, I'll just put it this way. We're all growing in the discipline of seeing like God sees and knowing the true story of our time. Then go, next one is characters. Okay, who'd you spend your time with? This, by the way, is part of the discovery method for how we encourage people to study the Bible. It's one of the tools that we've found to be very helpful in community life. After you've named the characters, January, I don't know, my family, who's that? (laughs) My coworkers, who is that? Oh, well, it's that, it's, you know, Andy and Tony and, oh, Sarah was, Sarah was out January and February. And, oh, I didn't, hadn't thought about that. And just let, let the story tell itself as you observe in the light of God's presence. Setting, characters, actions. What happened? What'd you do? Work. What did, what'd you do? Oh, man, we got pinned down by that big project. Or, oh, man, I was looking for a new job in this season. A little on the nose. but. Then two more. Then you go, emotions and motives. Oh, what'd you feel when that happened? I don't know, nothing. You're like, <laughs> oh man, well, in my made up story here, there's no such person as Sarah. You're like, oh, when Sarah was out, oh man, I, I started to feel so overwhelmed. And oh my gosh, that feeling never went away for the entire year. And, and then I started to think I was overwhelmed by my, you know, wife talking about wanting another kid, but it didn't start there. It was this other thing. And, and then with all that data, you can finally start to see themes and go, whoa. And I was doing this yesterday. I tell you one of the things that just kind of blew my mind is I was like, the story that I had told myself, the story that I made up in my head was, man, that was a hard year. But if I tell the story of last year of 22, with Jesus as the main character, I'm like, you are so brilliant. By having us host a gathering, I cannot think of another way that you would have more quickly helped me find. It's like blind man's bluff. Like I've got a blindfold on in my own life. Jesus is trying to tell me, come this way, come this way. And so I'm like, oh, that was your invitation. And it was born from joy and we wanted to host a gathering. And and the friction that that created drove me so quickly to to the actual problem, which is not having a clear enough sense of the destination, not having a clear enough sense of how to get there, and not having a clear enough sensation of like, why? How would I know? And I just was able to sit back and go, Jesus, if the main story here is your pursuit of me, and I tell my story that way my year really begins to change and I really begin to see your strategic and tactical brilliance at 
where I would listen to you and where I would not listen to you. You led in a way where I found what you wanted to tell me so quickly. Thank you. That is amazing. That is such fantastic guidance. I love everything you just said. The one thing I'll add to that list in understanding the story of your life and begin learning to see your life as a story is to also look for the patterns, the loops, the rhythms. So what is the structure of your life and, and of the previous year? What is the structure? What were the, the overarching seasons? Not just the, you know, spring, summer, and so on, but, oh, you know, the first half of the year was a season of pain. <laughs> for me, this season has, this year, 2022 has been simultaneously, in some ways, the worst year of my life, in some ways, the best year of my life. And being able to zoom out a bit and understand, even as Blaine and I were processing some life updates before recording, I realized, oh, there was a major transition, a seasonal transition that happened, and I entirely overlooked it. But actually, I entered a new season of life in early November. So whether it be your days, your weeks, emotional patterns where I don't want to talk too much about your life, but as a great example, Blaine, you have a repeating loop of life that occurs uh, on 12 days, man, on, on a 12 day rhythm. And it, that's its own story. But um, I've got patterns where, like, oh, I'm here again, struggling with, with married life. And this is a very concrete, definable loop that repeats. And being able to understand that has helped me to not fall into the same patterns and to know how to pray when I feel certain feelings coming up. So what are the rhythms, the punctuations, the seasons, the repeating patterns of your life? It's so good. I mean, if I were just to give examples right out of our time, it's so, it's fascinating for me to look back at Mount Vigil. And so at the end of May, the beginning of June, origin contracting started. On June 24th, your back went out and introduced a season of acute physical suffering. But some of these are fascinating. I could say July 1st, we had our conversation of, are we going to cancel Mount Vigil? Two weeks later, we decided to cancel it. And then that same day received the largest donation that we've received to date. Like an hour later. <laughs> yeah. And went, okay, maybe we're not. And also no one on our board, none of our spiritual oversight thinks we should cancel. So we were off on that one. And then I was scrolling down and went, wow, okay. So then we were trying to figure out what to do in through September and October. October, you started looking for a job hardcore and we were interviewing board members. It was so frustrating. On, on November 3rd, well, I'll say November 1st, I have a life-changing prayer time. November 3rd, you have a life-changing prayer time. November 9th, we solve the board puzzle. The 10th, we finally hire ourselves and compare ourselves for the first time ever. And I literally see the dominoes fall in what happened after, man, there was this incubation period that has events on it that can be pointed to. That was the dramatic rescue of God. That check, that day, it could have come any day, but it was the day we said, we're done. And then we get a phone call Mm. and and it put us back into prayer and discernment. And then as things came up and some of the core issues were accessed by God, then we boom, 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 snowballed into it's December 2nd. So... It's just amazing how, the, how at the beginning of months, these things turned over mm-hmm. that we formally reversed our decision and said, what we're not released of is the desire and burden and assignment to resource the church together, starting with our church and then to the wider audience as it's relevant and useful. And man, looking at the snowballs, I'm looking down my Excel column after that of, oh, and then we, oh, then that was that day. And that was the cigar time in prayer. And here we are in a story that's very, it's characterized by God's on-time rescue, which is such a better thing to feel alive and awake to than a random story of blundering through the woods. Wow. 
Thank you for going through all that. That's extremely helpful. And it's funny because we started off this episode saying, we're not going to really tell you where we've been and so on. But that right there answers <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the questions of, uh, in the background, what's been happening with Mount Vigil. Something that's triggering for me, another just bonus tidbit for spiritual formation is that I'm finding that one of the pivot points to transition from one season to another and to break patterns of brokenness and just extended suffering in my life that then opens up the door into the ability to breathe more deeply and the ability to move more freely and to see more clearly a vision of the coming season has been uh, repentance. I'm finding like right now in my own journey of transformation that the process of the father shining his light of judgment on deep uh, unconfessed areas of sin in my life, helping me to understand them and the nature of them and journaling about them and then inviting others to come and witness and receive my confession and to pray for me in this place has been profoundly transformative and effective and what comes on the other side of that is a new season of life. So I encourage you to particularly be looking for or be receptive to the spirit showing you what needs to be confessed and repented of in your journey. That's really important. I think that's why Bruce Haley Barton adds the step of seek out spiritual friendship to the conventional steps of the examine, which you've said too of, and then share this stuff. This part is vital. It's the sixth step. Yeah. After you've looked at a week, share that with the people that are walking with you, with your spiritual oversight, with, you know, your close friends in Christ, Uh, ask them to be witnesses of it with you. And they may notice something you didn't. And that part's, man, I'll tell you a little unnerving, but ultimately very good. When you look at a year, get with your close friends, get with your spiritual oversight or who those people are to say, I want to open this to you. And in particular, if you walk out just amazing internal repentance, whoa, Jesus, I really actually see how much anger I've harbored at my aunt this year, or I actually see this pattern of ignoring my friend or of bringing my leftovers to my wife. Like when you see those big things from looking at your time, which you will, and work through repentance, get with someone trustworthy. You know, if there's no one in your life right now, it might be a therapist to say, hey, I I had this really amazing time of repentance with God, but I wanted to actually open it to you. And then it's so helpful with people as representatives of Jesus to do it again. And so I'll do, I did this a lot at the end of the year as I was finding some of the patterns of pride and self-hatred in myself. I worked through that in my journal. And then I went and told my wife about it. And I asked her forgiveness too. And then I went and told Tim and Lo about it. And it was like, guys, as oversight for this community, I just wanted to ask your forgiveness as well for bringing this in to our life together. Will you forgive me? And they like, beautifully did as well as like proclaimed out of the scriptures. And it's, it's just a key step of spiritual formation and change is communal. We live life in the family of God. So Mm -hmm. do not ignore that part of your examine. Confession, especially within evangelical Christianity is a woefully neglected sacrament, but it is sacramental. It is very real and powerful to voice it before someone else who is embodying Christ and who can witness your confession and remind you that Jesus forgives you. And it's interesting, when I first shared this year examining practice with our church, the two other things I encourage people to do is, two, to confess before someone, and three, to ask for prayer. It's so important to have to be witnessed and then to receive the love, the words, the prophetic insight, the blessings of other people who can lay hands on you, anoint you perhaps, and pray for you. Fantastic. Well, it's the second week or the third week of the new year when this is coming out. January is a wonderful time to not take a day and listen for a word for the year or give a toast at a New Year's party, but to treat that whole month 
uh, as a time of listening and looking back and sitting in the presence of God. I think I'd love to round this one out with a blessing and invite you, Ant-Man, to fire away and just bless those who have listened and who are going to walk out this practice. What would you give them? Hmm. Paul writes, shed the old man, the one corrupted by the lusts of deceit, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So for you, listener, I bless you to shed the old man, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Until next time, it's been great to be with you. We do bless you in Jesus' name.